I'm going to ask that you'll turn to Revelation chapter number 2. And when you find that, I'd ask that you'll stand for the reading of God's word. Revelation chapter 2, verse number 18 is where we're going to be at. And so, uh, again, initially, this is uh, sometimes uh, Sunday nights are a little bit different atmosphere. So this is going to be my Sunday night message doing it this morning. And I would encourage you, if you're not someone that's... uh, faithful to, to Sunday night or maybe at Sunday night services and not your thing. Really as a, as a, as a, as a preacher, um, Sunday nights is really one of the best services of really the, the whole week because it's like family time, things you would talk about with your family and uh, you can just have some real good family time on, uh, on Sunday nights. So uh, this was supposed to be along those lines, but hey, I just want to put a plug in and if you're not faithful to Sunday night services, Make New Year's resolution. That's what you're going to desire, and that's going to be your goal. And uh, so we're going to look at Revelation chapter number two. I want you to notice in verse number, verse number eighteen. And it says, "Under the angel of the church in Thyatira, write these things: saith the the Son of God, who hath eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass." I know thy works and charity and service and faith and thy patience and thy works. Notice this last phrase. And the last to be more than the first. That's a great phrase. And the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee. Because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication... And to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her a space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death, and all the, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searches the reins and hearts. And I will give unto every one of you according to your works. But unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden. But that which ye have already, hold fast till I come. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works, unto the end to him will I give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter, uh, Shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my Father? And I will give him the morning star. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Well, let's go ahead and let's have a word of prayer and then we can be seated. Uh, Lord, I I come before you today and, and look to you in full dependency upon what you can do through your word today. And God, I just... Pray that you will do a work, God, that you will speak to us, help us to see truth that is relevant for our lives, but not just to see it, God, but to respond to it in an appropriate manner. So, God, may you do a work within us and through us today, and I ask this in Christ's name, amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Again, as... uh, when looking at these letters in 
uh, that Christ wrote to these churches in the, in the book of Revelation. And I just want to reiterate the fact that we could very much look at it as almost a, in a theological sense, like as a church, and we will talk about that as church, that this may be what you need to be doing and not, not, to, be, not to be doing. But to be honest with you and how the Lord's even been working in my own life and really should be that way for all of us is I'm thankful for what I would call general truths that should be applied to the church. But really in my own life, I need to get to a point and go, but what difference is that really going to make to me? It's good for everybody else or it's good for this group of people. But that group of people are living with me 24 hours a day. I'm living with myself and I need personal application to my life and what it's going to do in my relationship with Christ. And even reading a letter to like the church in Thyatira, you might say on a Sunday morning, that sounds awful dark to read on a Sunday morning. But the truth is so relevant. And I, and I believe that God allowed this message to come Sunday morning. And I believe that God's in control of these things and say, I've got something I want for you in your, in your life personally that you could, that you could use. And uh, I don't know if you're, if you're one of these type of people. I'm, I'm, I like this. I like to watch documentaries. Uh, I'm one of these documentary type, type people. I mean, you can have all your sitcoms or whatever, and most of those probably aren't very good anymore. But I like documentaries and the, and the things... Uh, I just like to learn different things and probably forget some of them. But I remember some um, uh, time ago that I can't remember where I was at, but there was a documentary on the, the building of the Hoover Dam. And I think it caught my attention because I am a flatlander through and through. I don't like heights. And I'm just looking at this dam, and that's all that's going through my mind is, you will never catch me on that road going across that dam uh, unless God wills it because this thing is a monster, this thing that, that they are building. Um, I will most likely never, never uh, do, the, do that. And this dam really, um, it is a marvel of human ingenuity. It, it really is. There's like a Hall of Fame of engineer structures, and it's made this Hall of Fame list of engineering structures. Uh, just one fact alone, the amount of concrete that was used on the Hoover Dam, they say, is enough to build a four-foot-wide sidewalk all the way around the world at the equator. Now, just think about that for a, ma for a moment. All of that going, going, into, uh, going into this a giant dam that stands 726 feet high and is 1,200 feet long. It's remarkable. And as I was thinking about the Hoover Dam, my mind went to all the water that was, that's dammed up behind the Hoover Dam. I mean, it's not a small amount of water. Behind it is the, the um, uh, largest reservoir in the United States in Lake Mead. Lake Mead it says covers 248 square miles and is capable of holding 28.9 million acres of uh, acre feet of water. And each acre foot is equal to 325,000 gallons of water. Try this out. They say that there's enough water behind uh, the dam that 
Each person in California could have 225,000 gallons of water individually. They say that if all the water broke out of the dam, that it would cover the whole state of New York in one foot of water. It also says that uh, it's a hydro, uh, it has hydroelectric power, and uh, if the gates were open and they're running at maximum uh, capacity, that it could fill up 15 average-sized swimming pools per second at 20,000-gallon swimming pools. It also says this, that it is, um, that, uh, that uh, through, through that, that, I, that uh, also, that 900 average bathtubs could be filled a second, or is it like is something smaller? It's just, it's just mind-blowing. And you say, well, that's good. You gave us some wonderful facts about this dam. I mean, what are we driving at? And what I was thinking about, and as I was even studying this and relating it, it, it to this, I, I, I look at it as a, um, I look at it, try it as a spiritual illustration and a, and a, a spiritual picture. Just want you to think for a moment that if all that water that's behind there, just all of that, that represents what God wants to do in our lives. Those represent those blessings that God wants to have in our lives that when we have a growing relationship, that we are growing in our walk, in our relationship with Christ. You understand that God wants to bless you, that God wants to do things in your life, that God wants to be a real and relevant part to, of your life, that he's just as real to you as, as the person that's sitting next to you. That you have such a growing relationship that, he, that he's blessing in your family, that your relationship between a husband and wife and children and parents is there, that you could go to work and God blesses you at your work, that you can go through trials and tribulations and have peace and joy, have security even in, in, in insecure times, to know when things are bad that everything is working out for good because of my relationship with Christ, that you have a peace that passes all understanding. And I'm just telling you, I could go on and on. We sing, count your blessings. We can't count all the blessings that God has in store for us. If, we if we're growing and having a relationship with him, we can experience those blessings. And they're like a, a giant reservoir that we're able to draw out of in our life and enjoy the benefits of. But then I think about also this. So here is this man-made structure called the Hoover Dam that's holding back all this water. And I think to myself, how often is it in, in my own life that I've created my own man-made structures that I'm holding back what God wants to do in my life? Do you understand what I'm saying? That God is taking what he wants to do in my life, that if I'm where, I, where I'm supposed to be and doing what I'm supposed to be doing, that I can experience these blessings, but oftentimes what I'm doing is I'm damming up what God wants to be doing in, in my life and that what God wants to be doing in my life is being pulled behind me and I'm not experiencing what I should be experiencing in my life and my relationship with Christ. Is that not a fair illustration and, and, and picture what's what's going on? And when I and so it's along that lines that I come to this letter, this the, the church in, in Thyatira here. The th church in Thyatira had become a Hoover Dam. They had there was a situation that had evolved that they that had been created 
that they were beginning to lay a dam that would, that would block what God was wanting to do for them and through them as a church. And I think to myself, then, I want to understand this letter then. Because as I enter even into a new year, as we're reflecting on that, I want the floodgates to be open for 2024 and the extending years thereafter. I don't want to enter into 2024 with the floodgates down and the water levels rising. I would rather run Lake Mead dry because I've left it open. Because there's nothing impeding the water flow or impeding God's blessings in my life. And so we want to look at the letter in the church of Thyatira so we can, A, experience that, but B, may, if there are things that are in our way that we can correct and deal with them and start today. So when you look at Thyatira, and, and by reading, uh, uh, reading it, it uh, may be very easy to misjudge uh, this, this city and even the church that was here in Thyatira. Out of all the letters that were written, Thyatira, as one person said, is the least known, least remarkable, and least uh, important of the seven cities uh, that the Lord had written to. You see, Thyatira was literally a, a speed bump on the map. Well, what do you mean by that? Pergamos, which was to the north of Thyatira, which we've looked at, Pergamos, which is to the north, was a political and even uh, a political center. There was um, some, re uh, obviously, great idols and those type of things. But this was like the county seed of that area. And what it was is this. Thyatira had one goal in mind, and it was created for this reason. That when an invading army would come, that they would go through Thyatira, and Thyatira would slow them down just long enough so the people in Pergamos could get ready to fight whoever was ever invading. So they were constantly being run over and being trashed all, all the time. Its name literally means endless sacrifice. They were sacrificing themselves over and over again. It's just Thyatira. It's not important. One person, one person, one preacher said he called it the plain Jane of the plain. And I think there is some truth to that. It was just a plain Jane of the plain. It was what I would call a blue-collar city. Because there, there wasn't the big, uh, big names weren't coming out of there. The big uh, colossal structures. Some even say there may not even have been a theater in, in the town, which was pretty remarkable. But they were known for their trade. And uh, they were known for, uh, for the different guilds that they had, whether it's coppersmiths or your candle maker or baker or what. You had all these different guilds. It was a, a blue-collar town. That's what it was. And in this, we don't even really, biblically, there's not much that's known about Thyatira. It's almost as if you were to take a general cursory look at the Bible and say, if Jesus had not highlighted Thyatira, you probably and I wouldn't have highlighted it either. We don't know very much about it. You know the one fact we know about Thyatira is that there is a woman named Lydia who came from Thyatira. She was a seller of purple. She was a blue-collar worker because purple was a big deal selling there. And so you look at this and you say, well, this is a pretty insignificant town. But what it, its insignificance is really dwarfed uh, by, by really the testimony that this church had. It, it, the testimony that this church had was, was very 
very commendable and very significant. Now, a lot of it does seem familiar in relationship to the other churches that, that had been written. It says, I know thy works. They, they were a, a, a church that was known by their works, that if, uh, I'll show you my faith by my works. They were showing their faith by their works. It said that they, that they had charity. They had, uh, they had uh, which is agape love. They, were, they had a self-sacrificing love for other people. That's what agape love is. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. They, they had works, but they had the love that went behind the works, which was what was lacking in Ephesus. Ephesus had lost their first love, not this church. This church still had their love in their works. They, they, they had works, they had charity, and then we also see this, that, um, that they, um, they had uh, and service. The word service is the same word that we get the word translated deacon from. They were serving other people, not just the outward needs, but inwardly. People were looking after each other in this church. People were a united group of believers. They were together in this. They were working together. And then we see that they had patience. They had to have patience because their livelihood was at stake because they, if they named the name of Christ and got saved, it was really hard to be a part of the trade association. Because the trade association said this, we have weekly or monthly meetings, and at our monthly meetings, we, our monthly meetings are a combination between economic uh, prosperity and spiritual idolatry. Because what, what they involve is, is sacrifices to the god of copper, for instance, and not only did the god of copper like sacrifices, and we would eat that sacrifice but he was also an immoral creature at the same time. And so what became a, a, a supper turned into sensual, licentious behavior, immorality. And if you're a follower of Christ, you could imagine that that's probably not where you want to spend a Friday night at. And it kept him out of, kept him in a lot of trouble or kept him in trouble. They had to patiently endure through all of those things. You know, all of those things are great. We see all the other churches, they have experienced similar things. But it's what it says at the end of verse number 19 that is not said about any other church. That when I was reading this just stood out to me. And the last to be more than the first. That's said about no other church. You read through all seven letters. You don't read that Christ ever said, I am, a, I am looking at you. I am judging you, I am exposing, I'm giving you a testimony of who you are, and what you are is your last is better than the first. In other words, they weren't just doing these things, but they were growing and developing and they were maturing in there. What they were, what you saw them in the beginning of 2023, they would have looked different at the end of 2023 in the sense that Jesus is saying that at the end in December, you're doing even more than you were in January, and I'm thankful that I'm able to go and find a church that's like this. That they didn't just begin strong, but they continued strong. We could say this, that they're growing. Not maybe numerically, who knows how they're growing numerically. I'm guessing if they're living the way that Christ would want them, they're growing numerically. But numerically is not nearly as much as spiritually in their relationship with Christ. And Jesus said, I mean, you're doing pretty good. 
I mean, you're doing, you're doing really good. The obvious, the fact that Christ would address them in the way that they are, they're clearly being, they're experiencing blessings within their church. There, there is growth and there, there is development that is taking place within the church and within the, within the people that are there. And really, what this church was accomplishing really is, should be the goal of, of every church and really every single, every single believer. The church of Thyatira had accomplished and had a testimony that each and every one of us, this should be our testimony. If I, wanna ha- if I wanted the Lord to say something about me, I would love for him to say, you know what, the last is a whole lot better than the first. Don't, wouldn't you like that? Wouldn't you like to, have, you don't want to have Christ come up to say, man, you started off so strong and man, you fell over the finish line. I, I, I mean, you look, like a, you look like a whipped dog. You look like someone's kicked you in the leg. I mean, what, what has happened, happened to you? I don't want that. I want to be running stronger at the end than I do at the beginning of it. Isn't that what? Shouldn't we want to have a desire? Our growth and development should be, I want to do more works than whatever I have done for, for Christ. Whatever I've done for this year, I want to do more. However, I, I, I may have shown love to other people, but I want to love people more going into the next year. I want to be serving other people, and I want to have the patience that I just have and the faithfulness to continue on throughout the next year, and it just keeps growing and growing and growing. That should be everyone's desire. If you know Christ as your Savior, you should, it should just be a burning within your soul that every single day is, I am not happy with who I am in the sense that I want to grow in my relationship with him. I want to be better than I was the day before. Isn't that a, isn't that a reasonable response of a child of God? And I know this, that if I have that desire, I want the last to be greater than the first. How many of you believe that God just might, in all of that, decide, that's someone I can bless. That's somebody I can do something for. It didn't, I didn't say perfection, but here is someone that is going to continue on, going to continue moving forward. And God said, that's somebody I can do something for in their life. I could bless their marriage. I could get behind what they're doing. I could get behind their business. I can get I, I can get behind their plans. I can direct them in their lives. I can speak to them. I can do great and mighty things that they couldn't even conceive in their life. I could do that for that person. Man, that's what I want. That, what, I'm, what I'm talking about is having a life that allows the floodgates of God's blessings to flow and not be dammed up. That's what this church was doing. And yet in all of that, I wish we, again, with these letters, that we could just sit there and go, we're done. Let's let's just have an altar call here and say, God, I'm going to commit myself in such a way that, God, I'm going to make my latter end better than my, my beginning end. But Christ, it's awful when he says those words, nevertheless. Nevertheless, I want to keep not reading. Because it says, nevertheless, in verse, uh, uh, or verse 20, notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee. 
Because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my spirit, uh, servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. You see, this church, there was a problem. You see, there's a growing problem that they had this woman who was teaching in her church. Now, I'm, not, I'm just merely telling you what the Bible tells you. There's a, a woman who was teaching false doctrine within this, in, the, in the church in Thyatira. She is called a Jezebel-type woman for a very important reason. Because if you understand who Jezebel is in, in the Bible and what she was and what her testimony is in the, in the Bible, you, you realize this woman is a stinker. I mean, this, this, woman's up to, this woman's up to no good. Because you know what? Jezebel's one mission as being, being the wicked woman that she was, was to try to stomp out the worship of God and try to eradicate and to stop the others in, of Israel from worshiping the true and living God and to, to live a, an immoral life worshiping the God Baal. That's what she did. That whole story about Elijah and the prophet of Baals, Elijah said this, how long you hope between two opinions? If God be God, be for him. If he's, if he's be Baal, be for him, but decide. I mean, Jezebel was trying to make the decision for everybody. She, was, she had brought into, into this situation and, uh, a, a false worship, a false, a false God, and uh, into this situation, and the people were not opposed to it. A lot of people were going along with it. That's a problem. A lot of people were, were, were going along with it. And what Jesus is saying is this. You've allowed this woman, a Jezebel-type woman, you've allowed this woman into be teaching, teaching in this church. And she's teaching things that, as Jesus would say, the depths of Satan. She's saying, I've got secret, special, double secret information that nobody else has. But I got it. And boy, do I want to share it with you. Well, what do you got for us? Most likely it was this. You can still be faithful and have all your works and you can do all the things that you're doing and you can still be a part of the trade guild. You can still go down there because Jesus said that you commit fornication and you eat things sacrificed to idols. The, the handwriting's there that are like, you can go down there, be a part of the trade guild. You can go ahead and eat sacrifices, and uh, you, you can participate in all of these things. But as long as you're doing all these other things, God is okay with that. Well, why wouldn't that find appeal? I can live a fleshly, carnal life, and then I can also, and then I can do all these other things on top of it. And she grabbed a foothold in, into this church. Now, I want you to get this. There's a pattern that's developed in, the, in these le letters. And where, what the problem is, is this. And why we get the blessings, God's blessings backed up in our lives and the dam that we built. Because this is it. In Ephesus, they had, lost their, they had lost their first love. They were going through the motions of religion. And when they lost their first love, then the next church is talking about the, the pressures of society around them and being faithful to that. Now, I'm going to tell you this, when your heart's not strong and your relationship's not right with God and the pressures come, then the next church there in Pergamos was dealing with compromise. It's only a matter of time before weakened believers in a, in a pressure-filled world will begin to compromise. 
And then the next step after compromise is tolerance. Where now the things that you compromise with that may bother, now you just allow it and you tolerate it and you let it be in your life. Because that's what it said, you suffers this woman be in your church. They knew it and they tolerated this woman to do what she was doing within this church. And Christ is writing this letter to let, let them know, you stand in position of great judgment. Judgment is the opposite of blessing any way you want to slice it. Because Jesus, when he described himself to that church, do you notice that he called himself the Son of God? Do you know how many times the title Son of God is in the book of Revelation? Once. And it's only to this church. Jesus wasn't coming into them as the, the, the meek lamb. He wasn't coming to them as, as their, their buddy or their friend. He was coming to them as almighty God who beholds and sees all things. But why, where do you get that from? He had eyes as flames of fire. That means he is searching, he was exposing, he was revealing, and it said that he had feet of brass. Brass is always a type of judgment in the Bible. We don't have time to go through the Bible to prove that fact, but brass is always a type of judgment in the Bible. And he says, as God... I am not coming to you as, as the, the husband of the church. I'm coming to you as the God of the church and bringing you into judgment because of your tolerance of this matter in your church. Now, I believe that to think that they only had one problem in their church would probably be probably naive at best. How many of you think there was probably other things and other people had other problems in their church? I, I think so. But there was one predominant thing that was going on in their life that was, God was saying, you are damning up the blessings that I want to do for you. Now, see, this is where it starts getting personal. Because usually, and what goes on in our lives, the reason why we, our lives get damned up from God's blessing is one overriding issue. It's usually not this whole list of things. I need to change this, this, and this. And I believe that. If you're, if you're saved, you probably got a list. I'm like, I need to work on this. I need to work on this. I need to work on this. But I can tell you from sitting in service after service after service and, and in my own life that the Holy Spirit says, yeah, work on that, but what about this one? But what about this one? But what about this? And it's always that same one. That same one that God keeps repeating to you over and over and over and over and over again. And what that God is saying, there's your dam. That's the difference between my blessings being experienced in your life in a greater capacity or not. You have this one thing that is an obstacle from what I want to do for you in your life. That's what Jesus was saying to this church here. You are to be a light, you're to be a candlestick, you're to be a witness for me, but you have one thing that's predominating your, your situation, that's dominating everything that's going on, and you need to deal with that one thing. And I thought, thought to myself, reading my Bible, yeah, isn't that what God is dealing to us? If I want to experience the growth, my latter end to be greater than my, than my first then I have to look at the one thing in my life that is making the difference between that. What have I been pouring concrete into? What walls have I been, what wall have I been raising? 
how high do, how high do, do, do I have that wall? That one thing, I just let it keep going on and on. I'm basically just dropping buckets of concrete on this thing, and I'm just making it bigger and bigger and bigger every, every, every year, every day. And then I can't understand why I can't get over it, because what had become something I tolerated in my life has now grown into a stronghold. Because that is the result of not dealing with that one thing. It grows into a stronghold. And I'm going to tell you this, it would probably have been easier to destroy the Hoover Dam when it just had a little bit of concrete than what I was reading, that when the whole thing was, now the whole thing they say it would take a five kiloton nuclear weapon to destroy Hoover Dam. You know what? When they started that thing, it wouldn't have taken that much to destroy it. But once it got built and settled and all the way built up, now, now the challenge to destroy that. And I think, in my, think to myself and I say to you today, that little thing that could have been, that one thing that's holding you back may be easier to deal with now than letting you continue to going on it and, and building yourself up a structure that will be harder to deal with in the future. And so then I, then I'm, as I look at this, this letter then, I'm seeing a church that was experienced great growth and increase, and here's something that was inhibiting that growth and that increase. And then I want to respond to it that way. You know what? I need to take some time to take some, really what I would call some introspection about my own self and even relating it to this church. And it, it really, there was four questions that really came to my mind. But when I come to really inter, do some inter, introspection, you know, as it's mentioned, we're going to, some people may or may not make New Year's resolutions. What are New Year's resolutions basically made of, made, made of the result of? It deals with, I'm going to look at my last year. I'm going to look at myself. I am going to do self-introspection. I'm going to take a look. I'm going to inspect my life. Where, where am I? Where's my strengths? Where's my weaknesses? What needs to change to make the next year better? That's in, introspection. Introspection should not just be a January 1st or December 31st issue. Introspection should be something that, uh, that we know and practice in our lives all the time. This general principle here, though specifically given at, in the context to material things, could be applied to a lot of er other areas. Proverbs says, be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and look well to thy herd. Now, I know the material context of that. But is not, not that principle also? You would do well to know the estate of your flock. In other words, your own life. You would do well to know who you are and what, what you are. And when I, when I start thinking about that, there should be some questions that I need to examine in my own life if I want to not dam up what God, God wants to do for me and, and experience his blessings and, and, and have the end to be better than the beginning. I would want to ask myself this question, and would I have you to do the same thing? This question, what is it that I need to let go of? That's a, bio, that's a good question. Is there something I need to let go of? When Jesus wrote this letter to the church in Thyatira, he didn't just say, well, since that woman's going to be teaching anyways, you might as well just go ahead and get her an office. You might as well just let her continue. His idea was, you guys need to correct this problem. 
tolerating or suffering or holding on to something you know is holding you back is something you need to let go of. You need to let go of. There may be things that you are holding on in your life right now that, that you've continued to hold on to that are, that are holding you back from growing. Is that not what Christ taught in the parable of the sower? That he said there are some different when we went through that, there's different hearts that received God's word differently. And there was some that didn't receive God's word very well because the deceitfulness of riches, they allowed the cares of this world, they allowed the, the, uh, uh, the pressures and the things around them to get to them. They were holding on to things that they shouldn't have. And Christ was saying, you need to let go of those things. I think how many people are probably held back, maybe even in our service today, because you've been hurt by some issue at some point in your life and you've never decided to correct it and go to that person and to make things right. And because you have allowed that bitterness and you've allowed it to grow and become a stronghold in your life, it is now holding you back from the blessings that God wants you to experience in your life. Because you're just going to hold on to it. I'm going to hold on to it. And I'm going to hold on to it. For what good reason are you holding on to it? when you're holding back what God wants to do for you in your life. You see, you think, what, are I, what habits and activities am I holding on to that I'm going, God's not pleased with that, and I need to let that go. God has been dealing with me about that. I, that one thing, that one relationship, that relationship is holding me back. That, the, those choices that I'm making, that, I, that I'm afraid to show to other Christians that I hide when I see them, that's probably something you shouldn't be holding on to. If you got to hide it, you shouldn't be holding on to it. So I have to ask myself, is there something I'm holding on to that I shouldn't be? Here's another question. As I do introspection, is there things that I need to keep on holding to? The opposite question. Things I should be, if I'm going to grow, I need to make sure I keep holding on to these things. You might have had a tough 2023. I get it. I mean, I went had a couple trials this year. I get that. And you maybe maybe something's happened to you at church and that you're still upset about, upset about that. And you're thinking right now, you know what? Is it really important for me to be at church all the time? then I can really just skip a couple services now and then. Or maybe you're thinking about dialing back a little bit on your faithfulness to church. And I'm just telling you this, it's not time to let go, it's time to hold on. It, it, it's time to hold on to those things that, that are good and right, those things that God, God approves of, those works that he's talking about, having serving other people and, and having love towards all people, even the ones that you don't like, you should still love them. And having patience and endurance and being faithful. Those are the things that God wants you to hold on to. This 2024 shouldn't be a, a, a year that he decides, well, I'm just going to let some things go. Only if it's bad should you let it go. Well, finances are going to be tough this year. I'm going to have to give back on my, on, on, on my offerings. And I'm just going to tell you this. God does not condone you giving less. And holding back, because God, I'm just saying God will get what should be rightfully his one way or the other. Hold on. Continue to give. 
Continue to be sacrificial in your giving. Hold on to those things. And you may be having questions in your mind, can I continue on with this? Absolutely. You want the blessings that come, but as soon as I start letting, uh, letting go of the things I should be holding on to, I'm telling you this, get the concrete out, we're building. And then I think of this question. What, not, uh, what do I need to let go of? What do I need to hold on to? But, um, but why, why do I really need to hold on to it? Why should I really hold on to it? What are you getting at? Do you realize what Jesus said to this church? He said, he's basically saying, why would you want to continue down this road? Because he said, you know what? I'm going to take this woman and those that, are, those that are the result of her ministry, and I am going to judge them thoroughly. I'm, you're not saying you made your bed, now lie in it? That's what essentially Jesus is saying. These people make their bed with this woman, they can lie in it with her. They can go into judgment with her. Because he said, he said this to them, he said, you'll go into great tribulation. And it's not necessarily these seven years of tribulation, but great trouble and anguish. That's what tribulation generally means, that you're just going to go through a bunch of trouble and anguish and problems to go along with it. So why would you want to continue to hold on to things that you shouldn't be holding on to or letting go of things that you know you should be holding on to? Why would you do that? Because Jesus is saying, I, it will bring you into a place of judgment. It will be. Though you, and you won't be able to sit there and go, well, I just, man, my life is so tough. I don't see God working in my life. I don't have those blessings that they preacher keeps talking about. But what more do you need to see? God explained it to you. And you wonder why his hand seems to be heavy upon you? It should be no question. Why would you want to keep holding on to that and gain the disfavor of God at the same time? I don't get it. And it's almost as if then the last question is, is what more do you need to be motivated? What more do you need? In other words, Jesus had said, to this church here, he said to them, but that which ye have already hold fast till I come. He that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as vessels of a potter shall they be broken in shivers, even as I received of my father, and I will give them the morning star. You know what he's saying? Here's your promise for those, for those that have overcome. He's saying this, that one day that ruling and reigning with Christ has been a message before this in, Re in Revelation. In other words, you will stand in a, because of your relationship with me, you, will, you are in a unique position. That one day that we will not be separated by, by a veil. That one day we will, we will rule together. We will live in close harmony and relationship together. And that morning star, as I was looking at, it has the idea. One is this, it's, the, the, it's one of the brightest stars that's seen before the morning comes. In other words, it's an indication that the next day is coming. And I also know this, the Bible says Jesus is the morning star. So in other words, there is a new and better day coming where we will be in the presence of Jesus Christ. And, it's just, and what God is trying to say to us is, 
Look what you already have and will possess in Christ. Why do you want to do anything that would stop from what I want to do in your life? Look at what you have in Jesus Christ. When you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, you have identified that you are a sinner, that you have put your faith and trust alone in Christ. Do you understand that you get more than just heaven? I mean, you get forgiveness, you get justification, I mean, you get to rule and reign with Christ, you get to, you get, as even in Sunday school, you get to be a part of a royal priesthood, I, I am telling you this, that you have eternal security, that I'm in, in Jesus Christ, I'm in his, his hand, and he's in the hand of the Father, I have a shepherd, I have one that goes before me, I have one that will never leave me, nor forsake me, I have one that's not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and a sound mind, has given me a comforter who will bring all things to my mind and will bring the things of Christ to me and help me to understand those things. When I think of everything that I have in Christ, why would I want to hold on to anything that would hold back what Christ wants to do for me? Why would I want to let go of something that's going to stop me from being blessed? Why would I want to be cursed and judged by God? Why? When I have all of this in Christ, you see, understanding what we are and what we possess in Christ should be our motivation then, then to not do anything that would build up that dam which would stop God's blessings in our life. I think that's a fair way to look at this letter to the, the church in, in Thyatira here. And Peter, it says this. At the end of 2 Peter, says, ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things, <clears throat> beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and ever. Amen. And when I think of those words, I want to apply them really to the letter in Thyatira here. And then in this way, Seeing that we know these things which can hold us back in our spiritual growth, let us grow in grace and knowledge. Or to put it simply, make whatever decisions you need to make in your life and determine that you're not going to allow anything to hold back God's blessings. It may be that one thing today that I don't need to give a bunch of illustrations because the Holy Spirit is saying, you know what, we've been dealing with this for weeks after weeks after weeks and you've become so cold and callous to it that it doesn't really even move the needle anymore. And it's time you get down and ask God to, to break up the fallow ground of your heart and ask him, God, I am so cold towards this one thing you've been dealing with me in my life and today's the day I need you to revive that same desire of change in my life that you want for me. And it may be today that you've started giving up on some things, started letting go of some things, maybe even ministries, maybe even your Bible reading, your prayer life, or serving other people. And you realize, you know what, I've let go of some things that I should have been holding on to. Today's the day I'm going to go and I'm going to start making things right today. And it may be, maybe it's just as simple as this, God, I've never really reflected much lately on what I have in Christ Jesus and who I am. And God, as I think about that today, help me to meditate and to appreciate that, to let that be my motivation for growth in my life so I can experience your blessings. So that 
Lake Mead can be drained in my life. That I can experience your blessings and your power. This isn't some liberal motivational speech. This is reality. That there is a God who wants to bless you. Who wants you to experience his blessings. And he just wants you to open up the gates and let the waters in. And it's up to you today whether you're going to continue to build the dam or where you're going to drop it or open the floodgates so God can do what he wants to do in your life. Let's go ahead and stand. We're going to have a time of invitation here. Lord, I just so thank you for the opportunity to look at the word of God today and, uh, and what, you are, what you say to us through your word. And I know this letter was written to a church, God, but the personal application is, is there for us today, God. God, we can either dam up and hold back what you want to do, or we can make choices and decisions which will allow your power and blessings to be realized in our life. And God, today I pray there are that one thing or that one issue, that one thing that we were holding on to that's holding back, God. Pray we'll deal with that today. And God, maybe there's things that need to be changed in our life. We just need to come before you. God, I just pray now you'll work in this invitation and I ask this in Christ's name. Amen.